0: So when I uh, was in the Air Force, I be, um, one of my assignments was in Colorado at Peterson Air Force Base, in uh, Air Force Space Command, and uh, when I first got there, one of the, one of the first steps when I, when I checked in was a, a meeting with the, uh, the commander, the unit commander, uh, Colonel White what was his name, Bob White, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he went over uh, several points. You know about what the mission was, uh, about this and that. But the thing that really stuck with me was a piece of personal advice that he gave me. He opened up his his heart and he said, uh, "You know, my my personal priorities are are three: they're God, family, and work." And uh, you know, that was, to me, that's that's pretty amazing. I have uh, not known a lot of bosses who. Uh, Put the, the 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 very first two uh, at, at the top. You know, I think for a lot of people they were they were pretty low, you know, especially the first. Well, in uh, on Thursday afternoons we're going through this uh, study called the Deeper Life, and uh, the author of the book uh, asks several questions each each chapter. You know, the the question really is, how should we live as followers of Christ? And starting with. Uh, God, you know, theology, looking at God, you know, who is he? Uh, A.W. Tozer, you probably heard this quote. He he said in a book called The uh, Knowledge of the Holy, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. And at one point in in this course, several chapters in, he asks the question, you know, what's important? What's important in our lives? What are our priorities? What are the most important things? And you know, today we're gonna we're gonna look at that. We as as we get into our text in uh, Mark twelve twenty eight, a scribe comes up to Jesus, wondering that he he asked Jesus you know what's most important what's the greatest commandment let's read the text it's uh, mark starting in mark 12 28 the great commandment Uh, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well asked him which commandment is most important of all and Jesus answered the most important is hear o israel The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there's no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart and All understanding with all strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, self is much more important than the whole, all all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said to him, "You are not very far from the kingdom of God." And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let's pray, Uh, Lord. These are. uh, these are weighty matters, uh, and Jesus, you, you've told us that if we love you, to, to keep your commandments. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, as, we, as we look into your word, as we look at these commandments, that we would learn from you, that we would take your word and apply it to our lives, and realizing that uh, you are sovereign and, and you are Lord of all. And thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, you know a couple of points. Let's we're we're going we're to be spending most of the time looking at these looking at these commandments. You know, the the first one really is in, in four parts. It's you know essentially says love God with your all, love God with your whole being, your entire being. And, uh, you know, we can notice that this scribe that came up to Jesus is not like the other scribes. You know, a- a- approaching this passage, we have, we have scribes and other religious leaders trying to trick Jesus, trying to get him to say something that's going to uh, trap him in his logic or something. You know, they're, they're seeking his downfall. We know from early on in Mark that, in fact, they were seeking to, to kill Jesus you know from very very early on in his ministry that's what they had in mind and uh you know their their motives are evil mark makes that very clear but this guy this guy's different it, you know mark doesn't say that this guy jumped into the disputes it said that it said that he came up and he was listening, and he heard, he heard the uh, conversation. He heard what Jesus said. He heard Jesus' answers, and, you know, it registered with him. Uh, you know, the, the, the end of the dispute, according to Mark here, was, was remember, it was a discussion about marriage, and this guy who had had seven wives, and, you know, who was who's his wife in heaven and all this kind of stuff. He liked what Jesus had to say. Uh, you know, he asked him, what's what's most important? What's the most important commandment? You know, we might think that, uh, well, all God's commandments are important. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, ra- rabbinic tradition had uh, numbered the commandments at, 613 600 commandments in the old testament they counted uh, th- 248 were positive commandments you know you you shall do such and such you know for instance you shall observe the sabbath and and keep it holy you know so it's something that we should do the remainder 365 of them were were in the negative they were they were prohibitions you know you you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not take the name of, of the Lord your God in vain. And um, the thing is, some some of the commands were looked at as having more weight than others. You know, so the question we've got to ask ourselves, is Is that true? You know, are all commandments Equally important, because this you know the the premise that this guy is going on is that you know there must be something that's the most important commandment, and he was right. Um, Yeah, we can we can look at some of the commandments in the Old Testament. You know, uh, murder is a much more grievous offense than say um, moving a property boundary. To to try to steal your your neighbor's land, they're both bad. You do either one of these, you're a transgressor. You've sinned, and and it's serious. Both commandments are important, but you know the consequences are different. You know, if you murder somebody, according to the Old Testament, you're you're going to die for that. I don't think that moving a property boundary is as serious. And uh, you know, some, Jesus says something in Matthew twenty three. Verse 23 and 24, which, which gives credence to this, this idea. He says, talking to the, uh, the Pharisees, he says, "'Woe to you, Pharisees, hypocrites, "'for you tithe mint and dill and cumin "'and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, "'justice and mercy and faithfulness. "'These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. "'You blind guides, straining out a gnat "'and swallowing a, a camel.'" You know, so Jesus is saying, "Well, you know, tithing of your spices and and things like that are they're important. You should do them. You you should give. But the weightier matters he he identifies them: justice and mercy, mercy and faithfulness. And uh, you know, Jesus's answer to this scribe about what is the most important commandment also uh, supports this idea. The commandment he gave is the greatest, the greatest. There are no other commandments greater than, than these. So all the commandments are to be obeyed, but the, the commandments he gives are the greatest. Okay, the scribe is, he's not asking Jesus, you know, which, which commandments should I obey and which commandments can I not worry about? That's not what he's asking. You know he's he's essentially asking you know what is the uh, the underlying premise on which all the laws are based, and this is this is what Jesus answers: the greatest commandments, are love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbors, and you know notice that both of these commandments have to do with relationships: our relationships with God, our relationship with God, our relationships with others. You know, he he commands that we have relationships of love. So this is our highest priority, according to Jesus, you know, to love God with everything, love God with with every ounce of our being. You know, this kind of love for God is life-transforming. You know, the, the way it's worded makes it very clear that our love for God should reach into every aspect of our life, every nook and cranny of our lives, the way the way we think, the way we feel, the way we behave. You know, our, our love for God should be all-consuming. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy. This is uh, what's known as the Shema. We've talked about this. I think I, did, I gave a Mother's Day sermon about this, you know, about uh, how parents should... Teach their children in all all aspects of life. On the road, in the house, in the field, you know, teach teach your children well. Teach them the the, the scriptures. Teach them what God wants of us. It, the the Shema is uh, re- recited every week in the Jewish synagogues, even today. Uh, in in seminary, our our Hebrew professor. At the beginning of every class class had us recite the Shema in Hebrew, uh, in Hebrew language. Well, the Shema is from uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, so this should sound pretty familiar. That, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, or Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. This is it. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on a sign, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you were to walk around Jerusalem today, or, or any city where there are uh, Orthodox Jews living there, you'll you'll see people with these boxes. One of them is mounted right here on the head. These uh, I was looking about how they, looking at how these were made. They're they're made from kosher hide. They're leather, and they have these little tiny scrolls, parchment scrolls, with these words, the Shema. And they have also have a box that they put on their um, their arm, and they 've got a strap that goes around and they hold it in their hands so you know' they 're taking this commandment literally, same box same same scriptures um, I was I was thinking what what would a modern version of this be? maybe um, something like this you know put write these down and put them on your bathroom mirror. Put them on your refrigerator. Put a copy of this on your on your dashboard of, of your car you know put put one on the wall of, of your living room you know wherever you 're going to go wherever you 're going to go, make sure that you see this. You know, they take the commandment very literally let 's um, let 's look at the parts to this commandment. Uh, you may have noticed that in in the shema deuteronomy there there are three things love the lord your god with all your heart soul and might but in 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 our scripture today jesus mentions four love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength uh, the, the first word is in the hebrew levav and it's uh, you know it's it's routinely transfer, uh, translated into English as heart. When you read through an English version of the Old Testament, when you see heart, it's probably this this word here. But you know, when the uh, New Testament translators uh, looked at this word, they they saw more than what we might think of as as heart. You know, we, the uh, way we think of heart is. Maybe being opposed to to our minds, you know, I've I've heard Christians talk this way that, you know, we need we need to have heart knowledge, not head knowledge. Well, I would say we need both, and that's that's the point here. It it really covers both. Um, that's a kind of a kind of a Western. Concept, you know, they they translate it as, as two words, heart and mind. So we'll consider both of these. We'll look at the four that Jesus uh, gives. So we're to love God with all our hearts. Uh, the in, in the Greek language, the word heart comes from the uh, the, the word cardio. I, I, I think uh, you. Cardia, actually, that's the root. I think we recognize this. A cardiologist is a heart doctor. You know, cardiogram is a chart that uh, displays the heart function. Um, you know, in the Bible, though, the, the heart is more than a pump, more than a more than a blood pump. In the Greek, thought a person's heart is the uh, the core. It's it's the center of of somebody's whole inner life it's the it's the seed of a person's uh, physical spiritual and mental life so it's a big word that accom- accompany or encompasses a lot you know loving God with all your heart is going to mean that you you have a deep inner life a deep relationship with God a loving relationship honoring him um so if you, if you think of the heart as the the command center of the body you know it's it 's where decisions are made it 's where uh, plans are developed uh, it 's it's the center of our our inner being uh, there's there 's a commentator uh, david gardner who who does a really good job with this uh, describing this. He said that uh, the heart is where the religious commitment takes root it 's in our innermost being where we decide for and against God. You know, we can, we can give assent with our, our mind and with our, our mouth, but our, our heart tells all. When we look at the, uh, the parable of the, uh, the prodigal son, you know, think about the older brother. He kind of uh, gives a demonstration of this. You know, he, uh, at first glance, he looks like he's the good son. He's the one who, he's the one that stayed home with the father while while the younger son was out uh, carousing and and wasting and squandering his inheritance and getting in trouble and, you know, getting to the end of his his rope and living with, with the pigs and saying that that pig food looks pretty darn good, you know. I'm hungry. But... The older brother was different you know uh, when this when the uh, when the younger son came back how did the how did the older son respond he was he was angry he was resentful, and why was this because he was the good one, and the father was full of joy at the return of of the prodigal son. you know the older son had probably obeyed the father he'd stuck in there and Followed the rules, but his heart wasn't in it. That's demonstrated by, by his attitude. You know, he uh, really probably, if we, if we look at it honestly, he, he performed the duties of the father more like a slave than as, as a loving son. You know, these, these scribes, these teachers of the law would have been looked at as, as models of those who loved God. But Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus could see the hearts. Their hearts were full of self. They were focused on their their success and their positions in the religious community. Uh, We'll we'll be talking about a widow later who who gives out of her her poverty. You know, this widow was not successful by the world's standards, but she demonstrated her love for God with what she had. And uh, Garland points out that um, you know what really defiles a person, and Jesus said this is what comes out of the heart, right? Jesus said that evil thoughts, evil deeds, doubt. You know, it's it's in our hearts where belief and commitment of God ro- take root, and so you know the the new creation, new creation must begin with the heart. If we look back in Ezekiel, Ezekiel talks about that. He said, God says, I will, I will take their hearts of stone and replace them with a heart of flesh. That's the heart. Next, uh, love the Lord your God with all your soul. What's the soul? The Hebrew word is nephesh. And it, it literally means uh, throat or, or neck. You know, the, the idea has to do with our Our breath. And it has a sense of being the the seat of our being, our soul. It's it's the seat of our feelings, our emotions, our, our desires. You know, our, our center. It's it's a very rich word. Our our longings, our desires, our our very being needs to be turned towards God. And you'll notice there's a lot of overlap between between these four. They, n- n- neither. Not one of these four could be taken in isolation. You know, that's that's the whole point of this is you know God could have said Love God love the Lord your God with your whole being. He could have said that. But you know, he's he's digging down and showing the, the component parts. But these are these are not in isolation. They all they all go together to, to form our whole being with which we are to love God. Anyway, we must love the Lord our God, with all our soul. You know, God gave breath to, to the soul of, of humans. If We go back to Genesis. You know, he, he breathed life into us. Uh, the, the soul is the motivating, motivating power that brings strength of will. And so, you know, taken together with the heart, the, the soul determines our our conduct how we behave um, the, the, you know, we're commanded to love God with our our soul it refers to the power in our lives now Paul talks about this we 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 see Paul as an example he gives uh you know, himself as 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 an example here of someone who loved God with all his soul all his all his energies were focused on pursuing God's purposes for our life. You know, in Philippians, he says, this one thing I do is very motivated. It is driven from a a love of God from his soul. You know, it's it's this commitment that drove him to really sacrifice himself to to do and suffer all he did for, for Christ. You know, his soul was so consumed by God that... You know he he was constrained to preach, to press on, to fight the good fight. You know those who love God with all their souls will commit all their energy and strength to Him. We must love God with all our mind. You know, what is what is our mind in in the New Testament? It's it's the seat of our perception and our Reflection that, that controls our opinions, our, our judgment. You know, we use our minds to, to reason. Um, you know, we need to love God with our intelligence. Our, our love for God must include more than, than just our emotions. Although our emotions are important, you know, God created us as, as uh, beings with emotion. But God doesn't want us to, uh, to check our minds at, at the front door when we come into a, a church. He doesn't want us to, uh, to have lazy minds. He wants us to use our, our intellect and our, our powers of reason for his glory. You know, and what, what God has in mind for us is that we don't remain uh, spiritual infants. You know, we're to, we're to progress and, and grow. Uh, Garland, David Garland says the early Christians were, were tough minded. He said they not only outlived and outdied their enemies, the writings of the New Testament testified that they also outthought them. They read, studied, wrote, and served God with all their minds. And as Christians, we should not be conformed to the thinking of this world that we won't do much to advance the faith if others can easily dismiss us as as being ignorant. Love God with all our minds. Well, finally, God says to love the Lord your God with all your strength. You know, this this word... um, Refers to a, a person's uh, physical capacity, capabilities, you know, uh, including one's possessions. Uh, you know, the, that that poor widow who gave the the two coins. You know, she pr- she provides a good example. Of this this kind of love. You know, she gave she gave out of her poverty. She gave all that she had to to live on and the the rich people were just you know skimming off the top of of their abundance of wealth, you know proportionately she gave all she didn 't worry about what she had remaining the um, We learned about this this uh, word that 's in the hebrew for for strength the word is maad and um it's kind of a, a difficult word to, to translate. And I, I know I pointed this out when we talked about the Shema. The word literally means very. You know, love love the Lord your God with your very. You know, if we were just to pronounce it word for, for or translate it word for word. And uh, so it's kind of hard to put into English. Our, our Hebrew professor gave us a suggestion. He said that when he and his family got together and, and they recited the Shema, in English, and in in Hebrew, at, at their meals, um, he would they they would say, "Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your being, and with your very muchness." Do you remember me saying that? Your very muchness. Um, it's kind of funny, but I, I like it. You know, uh, we need to love our God with everything with within us. Yeah, you know, I, I like that song that says, "You know, let." Everything within me, bless His holy name. So you know, taken taken together, you know, our our love for God is to encompass everything. You know, it's it's the proper response to God's love for us. And um, you know, think about it. God. God loves every part of me. He loves every part of you. We need to respond with, with every part of us, every, every ounce, every, everything. Uh, yeah, Gar- Garland says it well. He says, God does not save us by fractions. We're not to offer God a mere fraction of ourselves. For instance, Jesus warns elsewhere that a slave cannot serve two masters. Why not? It's, uh, he's going to love one and hate the other. You know, it divides our, our allegiance you know, the one who's double-minded will not succeed. He'll, you know, inevitably fall, sway to uh, to mammon. So with God, it's all or nothing. You know, lo- love cannot be tithed like money. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to give God 10% of myself. He wants us all. He wants all of us. Um. We're gonna we're gonna sing a song at, at the end. It's uh, "I Surrender all. all." All, to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I, I freely give. We're gonna be singing. You know, can we can we sing that with with honesty and sincerity? I don't think I don't think any of us can say we love God with all our heart. And soul, and mind, and strength—we have selfish impulses, right? We sin. John says, anyone who claims they don't sin, they're they're fooling themselves. They're lying. It's um, it's impossible to love with all our heart. Some vague notion but we can give our whole lives to a personal God. He, he's first loved us in such a dramatic fashion as to send his son to, to give his life for us. Uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus shifts the, emph- the emphasis in the conversation now. He, he's, he zeroes in on the important thing. He, he brings the discussion to the kingdom of God. He's going from the law to the kingdom, and you know, essentially, he's he's telling this this scribe who says, "Yeah, Jesus, you're right." He's saying you're close, you're you're near the kingdom, and he's he's close, but he's not there, right? That's that's what he's saying. He's he's close, but he's not close enough. You know, I think of him with all the heart you know you you've truly said that he is one there's no other beside him and to love him with all the heart and all the understanding with all the strength to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices and it's kind of funny here how he reacts he says yeah you're right jesus good job in answering that you know here's god incarnate here's the one who gave this law He's addressing God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God, God with us. But Jesus looked on him with, with love. You can just, you can just sense the, the love that Jesus had for this guy. Jesus knew his heart. He wasn't like the other scribes. Jesus saw, he says, when he saw that this scribe answered wisely, he said, you're not far from the kingdom. You're close, but not close enough. And, you know, it's it's possible, it's quite possible for one to be close to the kingdom, but not in it. Um, close, but not close enough. I read a I read a story about a uh, retired Marine sergeant. her Her name is Kirsty Ennis, and she was injured in a helicopter accident in uh, Afghanistan in uh, 2012. And she lost her left leg, so uh, she she has a, a prosthetic leg. And uh, yeah, she's, she's uh, since then taken on a lot of adventure sports like uh, mountaineering, snowboarding, snowboarding. She's scaled six of the so-called seven summits, the highest peaks on each of the continents. And in 2019, she uh, almost reached the peak of the big one, Mount Everest, when she was forced to turn back because of... Uh, the the team's oxygen which which ran low so later on in fact was just last summer she decided to do it again and after 43 days of climbing it said she was forced to turn back when she was 200 meters from the summit for safety reasons Uh, close but not close enough you know it's it's possible to be an almost christian it's possible to be a almost there a close christian but not quite not quite there it's possible to to know about jesus it's possible to to know what jesus said and and all about him and and all about the bible and it's possible to attend church every sunday it's possible to, to be baptized but never enter the kingdom why because like this scribe he he was satisfied with the answer but he, he did not take the step the the following uh, the, the the close step of of following the king You know, to be in the kingdom, we've got to follow the king. Um, John Wesley, in the 1700s, he preached a sermon. The name of this sermon was The Almost Christian. The Almost Christian. Let me give you a quote from it. He said, the right and true Christian faith is not only to believe that Holy Scripture and the articles of our faith are true, but also to have a sure trust in, and confidence to be saved from everlasting damnation by Christ. It's a sure trust and confidence which a man hath in God, that by the merits of Christ his sins are forgiven. And he's reconciled to the favor of God, whereof doth follow a loving heart to obey his commandments. In other words, he's saying that you know while an almost Christian lives an outwardly Christian life, In every way, an altogether Christian adds to this love for God and neighbor and genuine faith, putting your trust and confidence in God's love for them through the merits of of Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus has done that, that matters. None of us can follow that great commandment on our own, can we? We all fall short. You know the scribe knew the law. What what happened though? You know he he recognized that what Jesus said was true, but he didn't follow it. Um, you know, hearing it, uh, he he did not truly believe. If he had if he had truly believed, he would have followed the king. Uh, we can be close, but not close enough. You know, we might not be far, but if we don't follow the king, we, we fall short. Um you know, we're we're called to surrender our lives, you know, to give all. And we're gonna sing that song. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, and this this requires us to trust in Jesus. It takes faith to give our all. We need we need to realize we can't save ourselves you know we can't just do better or try harder or be better on our on our own um there's there's some words from a, a song that i don't know if we've ever sung it here rock of ages it says nothing in my hand i bring simply to the cross i cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace you yeah, know this is, this is all about surrender. You know, and as we as we sing the song, let's um, let's listen to the words. Let's let's ask ourselves. You know, is is there any area of our life where I'm I'm holding back? You know, God loves us again in our entirety, and He calls us to love Him with all we have, every part of us. Let's pray. Um. Lord God, I just want to praise you this morning for for your great love for us. And I I just pray, Lord, that your word would would penetrate our our hearts and our minds. Let your words speak to us and and change us. Lord, we know that we're, we're helpless to change our hearts in our souls and our mind and our strength, Lord, in order to love you like this, we need a we need a new heart. We need to uh become like Paul said, a, a new creation. And uh even those who are, are following you, Lord, I, I pray that we really take this to heart, Lord, that we respond to your love, that we Respond by obeying Jesus, you you told us that if, if we love you to uh, to keep your commandments, so Lord, we want to love you and, and surrender, not holding back any any part of us. Uh, you did not hold back Jesus, but you gave your life, you gave everything to us for us that we might come to you, and so Lord, help us to uh, shed our self-centeredness Lord that we would love you properly that we would love others the way we should Uh, Jesus you you even later on in in the gospel of John said uh, "You a new commandment I've given you that you love one another as I've loved you so I pray Lord that we we hear your word that that we would obey that we would listen and apply it and live it out. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen. This